Shut up and sit down. By all means, go for it. Have fun. Just leave me alone. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us more and more. I'm against being shitty to people. You can't research your way into understanding somebody. One way or another, I'd rather have the fight now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty Live. Uh, tonight, we have an awesome, super informative show that I'm really excited about. But first, as always, we're going to talk about sponsors real quick. Like, uh, we'll start out with Harrison because he's dope. Uh, Harrison Kemp is running for governor of Maine. And uh, you should go uh, support him in that endeavor because he's a, a really awesome dude that most of you watching this probably already know because he's a co-owner of FSM and he's been on the show a couple of times and he's a great guy. But also... Because his opponents are absolutely awful. Like, not just by our standards, but by most people's standards. Like, they're from Maine, and they're bad on guns. They're bad on taxes. They're bad on COVID. Like, the, his opponents are just bad. Like, really bad. He has a chance of actually winning this. Like, for real. He's got some really key endorsements. He's got a great team behind him. Uh, and, yeah. So, uh, go to KempForMaine.com. Check him out. Uh, or you can go to the thing with the extra bit here uh that'll go to a donate page so you can give him like five or ten bucks and help him out because like i said this is a really exciting campaign like we could turn maine gold before new hampshire and and get to laugh at the free state project so so do that um <laughs> just kidding love you guys um next up nug of knowledge uh if you want some super high quality super awesome really catchily named cannabis products uh, that are legal-ish in all 50 states, go to nugofknowledge.com. You can use promo code F4L and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Um, and that'll help out not only the show, but the network and a bunch of libertarians that you know and love. And if that's not enough, 10% of every purchase going to Nug of Knowledge uh, helps end the war on drugs, right? So that's something that we all like to do. So go to nugofknowledge.com, use that promo code, get some cannabis, and the war on drugs, support the show. It's great. Um, but tonight, tonight we have a really awesome guest. Like I said, super excited. Uh, she is the founder and owner of Kelsey Lyon Designs. She is a branding and social media genius, and she's going to come tell us all of her secrets. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Oops, wrong. This one, <laughs> that's what I meant to click. <laughs> that was my face too. So, I mean, it works. Close enough. <laughs> How's it going? Good. How are you? I am great. I am. Uh, I literally like while the intro is playing, sprinted downstairs to grab my drink out of the fridge that I forgot to grab and then ran back upstairs. <laughs> so I'm still like my heart rate is still like catching up. Well, my heart rate's there anyway, because I'm always ner nervous doing podcasts. So we well, match. There we go. Now we're cool. now we're matching. That's great. <laughs> um. So I always like to start off the show before we get too much into the to the the fun stuff of a little like kind of intro um, testimonial question. So I'm curious, uh, who introduced you to libertarianism? So that would be my husband, actually, Mr. Jason Lyon, uh, Mr. Bearded Truth himself. 
Um, but he got into libertarianism because of our friend Shane Sweeney. Hmm. Um, he actually kind of introduced both of us while he came and did a show at my house on Jason's podcast. Um, and then I was kind of like, hmm, hmm, okay, I like, I need a little bit more convincing. You gotta, you gotta talk to me about this. And then Jason got me on board. So and now I've deep dove. Nice. Yeah. Um, I feel like he, uh, yeah, he mentioned that he was actually just like a friend group that brought him in. And we talked about how, how rare that was. Um, yeah. I feel like, uh, people dragging their wives along into the, um, into the philosophy is not quite as rare. <laughs> we we tend to do that um, for the for better or for worse. I know a lot of people who it's like like they're libertarians and they have like super hardcore anarchist wives that like regret ever introducing them to the to the thing because now they're like <laughs> loser libertarian. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, so what got you into uh, graphic design and marketing and social media and was it? the same thing that got you into all of it or did you kind of like touch them all separately? So how I got into graphic design is actually, it's kind of cool. So, um, I was in high school and I was your typical freshman in high school where I was, you know, I wouldn't say partying, but I was, you know, doing, not focusing on my schoolwork as much. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, you need to figure this out. Like you're 15. We need to figure this out. I'm like, okay. Well, I got signed up for the school newspaper and I loved it. Like I absolutely loved it. Hmm. So um, from there, I kind of like, I met my um, graphic design teacher and he gave me this phrase and it is the longest sentence of two letter words. And it, it goes like this. If it is to be, it is up to me. And so ever since then, that has been my mantra. And he taught me, I basically need to be, I'd call it partying. Thanks, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) So he said that I need to take control of my life. And so I really deep dove into graphic design. I got hired in a print shop the day I turned 16. Um, I ended up going to college for graphic and information design with a minor in psychology because most of my, I know most of my friends, they went like the marketing route or like the Mm -hmm. illustration route. And I was like, no, I want to understand the brain. I want to understand how it works and what it is thinking about when it looks at something. And that's how I'm going to make my design stand out. So ever since then, yeah, I was the only one that did it. Only Hmm. one. So, yeah, ever since then, I just have taken off with graphic design and it's been awesome. Nice. And uh, and did you so I guess to to the second part of my question, what brought you into more the like actual man- managing people's brands kind of aspect or or was it just a natural progression of getting better? It was a natural progression. Like um, I was noticing that, you know, I would design logos for people and things like that. But I really started noticing that your brand is so much more than a logo. So many clients come to me and they're like, design me a logo. Cool. But you're going to put your logo on things, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have your brand colors and you have your fonts that go with it. And then now you have to design all these more things. 
And then you just keep going and it's just this snowball effect. And I'm like, I don't want to just design your logo. And then your logo goes on just a bunch of things that doesn't match. I want you to look professional mm -hmm. and I want you to stand out. So I just start doing packages where I just very rarely do I ever do just a logo. Typically, if I do just a logo, it's like a project of their business where they're like, hey, here's the brand. We just need a logo for this project. And I'm like, okay, hey, cool. That's fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I have very much been that person that just like, you know, buys a logo because like that's the important part. And then I'm like, okay, now basic word templates yeah. and, and all sorts of fonts. I'm actually, um, my ex, I'm pretty sure I'm still saved in her phone as David with the bad fonts because her first introduction to me was one of my shows that the graphic was just horrible. Like, like I think there, there were four or five different fonts and like three different colors in one graphic. It was not good. It was, it yeah. was very much not good. Um, and, and I'm glad that I've gotten better at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, my graphic promoting the show looked great. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've definitely actually her like, uh, vehemently insulting me for my uh graphic design skill inspired me to get a little bit better so here we are we <laughs> and now we have like overlays and fun other things and it's great but uh but yeah some of those old ones it was actually like a it was a liberty ladies special so i had like a bunch of names and i was trying to figure out something cool to do and like it, i remember in the moment being like this looks great because it's so much like the like the contrast looked good in my head yeah. of like because there was like the font for the logo but then the font for the names and then the font for the like the date and time and everything was different and the liberty lady special was a fourth font and it was just, yeah not not fun times so i can i can i apologize on behalf of every client that you have had that has done dumb things with the logos <laughs> that you make because <laughs> i've done it a couple times i've seen some things I've had mm. people put like Comic Sans with my logo and I'm like, no, I never once said use Comic Sans with my logo. <laughs> yeah. So are you um are you someone that has a are you a are you a serif or a sans serif font person? Okay. So it depends on the client. Okay. Because, so the psychology behind serif versus sans serif, if we're going to deep dive into this. So, in reality, your brain actually digests a serif font more than a sans serif font because it has clear definition as to where the lines on the letter stop. Hmm. All right. But the psychology behind the look of a serif font is very classic and old school. And so it does not speak to most of the target demographics that I go after. So I end up doing sans serif fonts. That makes sense. Yeah. I have, I, uh, a few. I have a few that I do serif fonts for, but it's like very few and far between. Would you say that uh, it's possible, like, would, is there like a, a counterculture demographic within younger people that might, uh respond or am i just weird because uh because this is an argument this is actually an argument i've had with multiple people which is hilarious because we're nerds and marketing is a fun world to be <laughs> in um, 
<laughs> but uh but i always liked it like i've always been kind of attracted to serif fonts and like especially yeah. in like brands and like but i i i got mo so most of my marketing and sales background is from the finance world right yeah so that is a little bit more like you're talking about a little bit classical a lot most of my clients were in their 50s or 60s yeah. um like you're trying to look big and strong not fun and cool so it makes more sense that way i guess yeah no and actually uh if we're gonna like nitpick the serif fonts it also depends because now with this um with the younger generation the slab serif fonts where it's got like the big blocks on the bottom instead of like the little tails that is starting to make a comeback a little bit so it's very, it's very weird. It's very weird. But the only thing I don't like, um, and most of the time it's serif type bases that do this, is I don't like it when they go super skinny to super like wide. Mm. Because when you put that small, especially think like you're getting a logo, most of the time you're going to put it on a shirt, right? You're going to end up putting it on a business card, something that's small. Um, and so when you end up doing that, a lot of times like embroidery machines or screen printing, they can't read those really thin lines. And so your logo looks all distorted and things like that. So that's the other thing to be careful on. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Also just aesthetically, not the biggest fan of that, unless it's like in a really good contrast and it's like, I don't know, something super fancy. Like I, yeah. I see that on like a wedding invitation or something like that. That's about it. Like that's yeah. the only time I'd be cool with that. That's probably the only time I ever <laughs> use it is a wedding invitation. And I do a lot of those surprisingly too. So hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what is your policy on uh, like content creation slash management slash scheduling-ish platforms like, like Airtable, ClickUp, Hootsuite? those various third-party sites that you can use? I use Trello a lot, to be honest. And then I just go in and I um, schedule them myself. Uh, Facebook just redid all of their business suite on the back end. So you can link your Instagram and Facebook. And like it has content calendars. It tells you when like National Pizza Day is, which is today, actually. Um, so it tells you like well, I had all pizza these... yesterday. I had Waffle oh, House darn. today. Okay, I forgive you because of <laughs> Waffle House and I am a founding member of the Waffle House Caucus. Hell yeah. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, I I usually end up doing that. I've used um, Hootsuite. I've used HubSpot. I've used quite a few of them, especially during like the Jorgensen campaign. Mm -hmm. We used a lot of those. Um, but I just, I work with my clients a lot on their posts. Like I have one client who I'll set up like, on Trello the week before, hey, these are what we're going to post about. And she just goes in and she likes to add her own wording, which is totally fine. I'm cool with it. So I'll design all the graphics, make everything pretty. She throws it in and then I go and schedule all of her posts at the nice. beginning of the week. So yeah, it works. So I don't know why. I, I feel like this is definitely just... Um just a personal like laziness probably yeah. if I dug down deep enough to actually analyze this, but there's something about actually going onto the social media site itself and scheduling the post that feels like so much work. It's yeah. like so much extra work. 
that I just don't want to do. It can. It can. I I used to feel that way. And then all of a sudden I like looked at the back end manager that Facebook all of a sudden came out with. And I'm like, huh, I like this actually. That's like, fair. This doesn't feel as terrible as before where it was like eight steps to do two. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the updates from Facebook I have been enjoying. I don't use Instagram much at all. It's Facebook and Twitter. So it's, it's definitely like having to go to two different sites and do doing like copy pasting things. But of course the like tagging is all different. Um, and so I actually, I, I used Airtable as a content like curation just so I could break up the steps of, you know, making the content and planning it out. Uh, and then I found automations that I could build into it to make it pretty much po- uh, a scheduler also. And I like it. The only problem is it won't let you tag people on Twitter with it. Well, darn it. Right. Which is. When I built it out, I was like, oh, that's fine. I get that. Because it's like a spam thing. That Because yeah. uh, I could understand. You could do some crazy shit with, with Airtable and and tagging people. Like You could really annoy some people. So I understand that. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, I can't post promos or quotes or anything correctly. I had to like bitly shorten all of my Odyssey links because they have an at in it. And it still uh, triggers. It thinks that it's I'm trying to tag someone, even though it's in the middle of a link, still doesn't like it. Um, but that's also probably for the better, because now I'm getting to track my app or my uh, my links. So that's fun for the back end. So much fun. <laughs> the back end stuff. See, I like the back end stuff drives me insane. It's a necessary evil. It drives me insane. But then like I go on to my clients like Instagram feeds and their Facebook feeds and I'm like, wow, this is doing so well. And I get to like watch it live and I'm like, oh, this is doing well. People are really liking this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just got like 18 messages in the last hour. That's that's the fun for me. The back end stuff. I can look at the graphs all day, but it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't do the same thing. That's fair. I feel like uh, Twitter Twitter impression numbers are really fun for me. I don't know why, but I check them a lot. Yeah. If if a tweet gets more than like a thousand likes, I will sit there and like check the impression number at least every 10 minutes because it's jumping up like by the thousands every 10 minutes, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know why I'm, I just like, I love it so much and it's kind of terrible. Like it makes me feel like a really bad person. I'm like, you probably have a, you have a problem, dude. But I'm just like, oh my God. Like the first time I had a tweet almost hit a million impressions. I like, I was just like, oh my God, this is great. And I just kept refreshing the page like every, every 30 seconds. (laughs) I feel like everyone, listen, I feel like you're not alone in this because I feel like I mean, Jason has done that. Most people that I know, when they're about to hit that mark, they're like, they're like a kid in a candy store. So no, you're not alone on that. Well, thank you. You're I appreciate that that validation. You're welcome. Twitter uh-huh. drives me insane, to be honest. It, I I definitely love Facebook and Instagram. Mm. Me and Twitter have a love-hate relationship. 
That's fair. I um I got into them. I kind of made personal decisions before I started trying to build a brand of any kind. Um, And so I established that I didn't like Instagram because I saw it as just like fake and superficial and like the most I was trying to get away from the the mentality that I feel like lives on Instagram. I was just kind of in my personal life. I was trying to like, you know, be with people that were a little bit more down to earth, I guess. Yeah. And so I started to just like dislike Instagram for that reason. Cause I do feel like it's, it's the most like curated, like perfectiony, like just, just, it's the best pieces of your life is what goes on Instagram. And yeah. that's really not great when you're like going through some of the toughest shit you've ever gone through. And it's like, Oh, I'm so glad all of my friends are having such a great time. Cause that's kind of like, yeah, that's that's where I was at. So I kind of stopped using Instagram and then um, got into politics and just started using Twitter because I was like, oh, well, I'm running for office. I have to have a Twitter um, yeah. and then kept going in in politics. And and so now I'm a, I'm a Twitter person. And that's where my biggest following is. I have like almost four thousand followers, uh, which isn't like huge at all, but it's enough. Still good. It's it's enough to make it interesting. Yeah. I've noticed that like my mentality on Twitter is a lot different than some of my friends because like I I have to like be careful of what I say and you know I can start a shitstorm if I want to um which sometimes I want to and it's really fun (laughs) don't tell anyone (laughs) I won't tell anybody it's okay Uh, I agree because sometimes the shitstorms are really really fun Mm-hmm. Especially if uh, if you like block maybe a founding member of some like libertarian uh, like <sighs> podcasting network and then post it all over the place. <laughs> Wait, aren't they part of the Waffle House Caucus too? Yeah, I think so. Oh no! Hmm. So you so you may have blocked someone from the Waffle House Caucus and a founding member. I d- I definitely did block a founding member of the Waffle House Caucus uh, last week, but um, wow. oops. It's okay. It's, it's gonna it's gonna hit right. that that reach that you're going for. <laughs> so it's all good. I mean, the just the comments from the first post because I thought that people uh, I thought that people might have been kind of been on the joke already, but apparently, uh, but the the post of me blocking him got so much more reach than any of the <laughs> previous things that might have explained it to anyone. So people are just like, "What happened?" I got two phone calls phone calls asking me what happened between me and Matt right oh my gosh Matt. and um and if you guys are really curious you can call me too I guess like he's kind of a douche but it's all right uh, I still I love him. Matt <laughs> I know he's he's such a great person that's why it's he's even better to like fake feud with on the internet um because like he's fucking great and if people don't know it's a fake feud by now like it's a fake feud. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, so this question is kind of like a T-ball setup for a, a nice monologue for you. Uh, how important would you say a put-together brand is for a candidate or organization? Whew, how long you got? <laughs> All right. Uh, about still almost an hour. So <laughs> Perfect. We're getting into it. Okay. So I actually had this conversation. So I was on a panel discussion at the South Carolina convention that happened a couple months ago. Um, 
And I really dove in to the fact that candidates need brand recognition, just like a business. We don't need for a candidate to have a logo and then have memes on Facebook that don't match anything and then have lawn signs that don't match anything. And then what they're handing out to people, they designed on Vistaprint and all these things. We don't need that. What we need is a unified brand. So that way, when people look at the lawn sign, because let's face it, you have about two seconds to get someone to look at your lawn sign. So what's going to end up happening is they're going to see your logo mark. Let's say it's a flame. Let's say it's stars. Let's say it's something, right? They're going to see your brand colors. They're going to see the overall appearance of that brand. And they're going to know it's you driving down the road. They don't even have to actually look at it. They can see it out of their peripheral vision. Oh, that's them again. Oh, that's them again. And then they're going to get a thing on the door where they're going to recognize your brand in two seconds and go, oh, that's the guy I saw the lawn sign for. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. We, we really need to treat these as if they are businesses building brand recognition. Look at Nike. I mean, you see the Nike swoosh on just about anything and you know it's Nike. Mm -hmm. We have to have campaigns be the same way. All of your colors need to match. Um, any campaign that I do, I'm actually, I just got two more campaigns yesterday. Um, nice. Yeah, which I don't know if I'm allowed to make them public yet or not. So I can't say who. Um, but I got two campaigns yesterday. And one of the first things that I do, like I assign colors, I assign typefaces or fonts. I assign all of those things. I go through and I double check color contrast, which I can get into a little bit later too. But I go through and I test all of the colors. I break down the psychology of all of these colors on what it's going to do for the person that's looking at it. So for example, using a blue um, is a very trusting color. However, if you use black, um, one of the negative connotations with black is war and death. And considering we are the Libertarian Party, war and death, probably not a good thing. So I try to stay away from black as much as I can. Oops. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like every Everyone libertarian kid. I mean, let's just uh we can go back to uh this <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because I, I I got coupon codes that I can hand out. I'm just kidding. There we um go. so but I try to stay away from it as much as possible because of the psychology of that color. Most of the time we're just using libertarian colors, and that isn't necessarily the smartest thing. Because sometimes people look at a lawn sign and go, oh, it's those libertarians again. Especially over here in like super deep red country in South Carolina. They're like, oh, those guys. Oh, no. I mean, so we want to catch them with the right colors, but we want those colors to be the same across the board on all of our things. Mm -hmm. You wear a shirt to a campaign event. Guess what? You're wearing your colors. If you, I mean, I talked to someone yesterday. They were like, I match my socks to my campaign. And I'm like, that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant because you are your walking brand. Mm -hmm. You have to treat it as if it is your business. It is your baby. You are running for office. 
you need to show that the Libertarian Party and you as a candidate are taking this incredibly seriously. Yeah, I was actually just having the uh, the outfit conversation with uh, Jonathan Howe, who I had on last week. We were talking about it before we went live, though. Um, and uh, I was talking about Tulsi Gabbard, too, because like she literally had like two outfits. Yeah, the whole campaign. It was like a seven month campaign. She wore two different outfits. She like washed one while she was wearing the other one and vice versa. And like she had two outfits, maybe yeah. three. Um, and that was maybe. it. And like mo and the thing is, one of them was like the, the one that she would wear for like smaller events. And then the other. So like anything that was public, like like televised for the most part, uh, like the debates and like anything big, any of the campaign lit flyers, like literature, signs, billboards, everything was her with the like red uh, jacket and the white shirt. Like everything yep. looked identical. And then you could see her walking down the street. She looked the same as all of these signs and all of these billboards and everything. Cause we put her face on everything. Cause she's gorgeous. So why wouldn't you yeah. like, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was great. Cause she looked, it looked like her billboards just like came to life and boom, there she was on the street. Uh, and it was, it was great, but it's something that more campaigns had, have done her. I think hers was just the most noticeable be, to me at least because, um, because we did have plaster her face on freaking anything. Yeah. Like nothing didn't have her face on it. It was great. Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh. No, she did such a good job at like being her brand. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party. I don't care. Like I am going to tell them when they did a really good job on being on brand. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, Tulsi Gabbard did it, but not many other Republican candidates did it you know Tulsi was probably the best one mm -hmm. and so it's like I want the libertarian party we're already behind the eight ball in a lot of things people don't take us seriously because we're third party and you know all the same excuses so we if we start looking the part acting the part they have to take us seriously eventually mm-hmm so I'm going to grab something real quick. Just yeah, make, go for it. Uh, Is this where I put the Jeopardy? Uh, just to make the, uh, the conversation full circle. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm knocking doors here in Texas. <laughs> Guys, please don't go look up this candidate. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to do this, but um, he's, he's, I'm not actually just shush. Okay. Um, but like, these are, these are what I'm handing out. And like, this is what his yard sign looks like is exactly this. Yeah. So when I'm knocking on doors, probably like seven times out of 10, when someone answers the door, I'm holding this up. I'm like, I'm out here with Mano Dayala. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've seen the yard signs. <laughs> a lot of times, especially with COVID and like a bunch of right wingers scared about crime, um, people aren't opening the door. They're like looking out the window and they they see that they recognize it. And they're like, oh, Republican. Cool. And then they come open the door. And it's it's great. Like honestly, he's 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 been pretty good on uh, on a lot of his branding stuff too. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's really important to have that consistency because, uh, like you said, they don't even have to read the yard sign every time. Once they've read it once, they recognize it wherever they go. Yep. So don't have different yard signs too. That's something that I've seen a couple campaigns no. do. They had like, well, we wanted a variety because like we didn't know which one people would want. Some say end the Fed. No, that drives me nuts. Now, I will say, so we are testing something exciting. 
in South Carolina. So we are going to do some lawn sign campaigns where we do some, we picked like the top five issues. And again, I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but whatever, it's fine. Um, so we, we picked like our top five core issues as a state, right? Hmm. Um, and then I am designing lawn signs that all have the same like look and feel. They're going to be branded to the candidate, everything like that. You're still going to recognize it. It'll have the logo marks and everything like that, but it'll be like, decriminalize marijuana uh, if that's one of the five and civil asset forfeiture where pe- it, it could grab their attention and people are like whoa and civil asset forfeiture what's that and then they see it the logo still on it it's just a little bit smaller and then next to it they're going to see the big logo and they're like hey i want to go and i want to check this out they believe in ending civil asset forfeiture so it's like a double whammy so i've mm. seen that and if it's done right it can go very well if it's done poorly, you're just telling everyone that ending civil asset forfeiture is a good idea, which it is. But mm. it is it is kind of like one of those. Um, it's something that you can support no matter where you are on like the the con, like constitutional conservative to like anarchist spectrum yeah. of you know. Uh, I can put this up because it's not a candidate like voting is violence, but ending out civil asset forfeiture isn't. And so I feel like it's something that we could get more of the movement behind than anything yeah. else. That's like the kitschy kind of marketing ish stuff that we would want to do. Um, yeah. So how would you say that uh, this branding stuff would translate over towards uh, more of like uh, either PACs organizations or like just activists themselves? So meaning like making sure that packs are or, or packs are branded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No packs being branded is also a good thing. Activists being branded is also a good thing. I know plenty of people where I brand them as an activist and then we turn that into a campaign. So I have, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say their names, but I have a couple of clients who they're like, I need branding for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Where are we going with this? <laughs> like, what, what's your trajectory here? Like, are you going to be a florist or do you want to stay politically active? Like, I just need to know. And um, so most of the time, they, we just make something that can be versatile, right? Mm something that we're not going to have to change the overall look and feel. We could just add an element or change colors a tad bit to make it into a campaign. I like that. I think uh, like one of the most noticeable, uh, like well-branded activists at the moment is Spike. Um, you know, I don't, were, were you part of that at all? Um, okay. I know that, I know that you were on the campaign. I wasn't sure if you were part of his, like, the stuff that he's been doing uh, afterwards uh, at yeah, all. Yeah, I created Spike's website, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. It looks really good. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, because the, the campaign branding was that, and it was good for the campaign, but obviously it's not it's not activist branding. It's not fun, and it's definitely not Spike. Um, 
and so I, I love the fact that he, you know, he's still, everything is the same and he still has fonts and he still has colors and he still has that. And the website looks the same as all of it. Every video kind of has a similar ending or beginning or, you know, it's just, yeah. it's so, and part of that is helped by the fact that Dan Smots is also like heavily involved with everything. And so it's all amazing. The, all the videos are going to look the same because they're all going to look like Dan Smots videos, which means they're all going to look fucking amazing. <laughs> He's I, amazing at he's, what he does. He blows me away every single time. Did you see him do the the canceling Dave Smith thing that he did like two no. weeks ago? Okay, so um, it was it was a joke. Uh, I just want to yeah. because I know my following might not actually all cross over. So like, no actual drama here, guys. Get over it. Um, all good. So Dave Smith had agreed to go on his show like multiple times, and it just like kept falling through, kept falling through through unanswered text message like just hadn't happened so yeah. dan smots like came out calling uh dave smith a coward and like like just really went in for he made like two different like full like three minute like trail like he did so much amazing work for a freaking joke like it was just a joke i mean it it blew up like he did amazing as far as like the the branding and the the like marketing side of this yeah fucking genius because it blew up but um but all over a joke but just the amount of uh he did one where uh it was like the second thing that he put out and he like actually it was almost like he was interviewing himself. He even had like footage of him like sitting on a like walking up and then like sitting on a stool and like like monologuing to the it was it was just so much. And for a joke, that man is a genius. And I love yes. Him. <laughs> Sorry, oh, didn't mean to just monologue about how no. great Dan is, but he's really That's awesome because I wanna go, <laughs> I wanna go look that up now. Cause... Yeah. His work during the campaign alone like blew mm. me away. It yeah. was amazing. I still have his um his uh I think oh no, I don't have his one year anniversary spike video, but I still have the thing he made for the the Mises or not the Mises caucus, but his like anti-lockdown thing that featured a lot of the Mises caucus is still on my stream yard saved as a video that I could just click on at any time because I've had to do that on live streams which is like and a word from our sponsors and like because I had to go do a thing and dance mods there we go <laughs> it's great love it um he just made my best friend a, a new trailer slash intro for his show too and um I'm I'm waiting to be rich so I can afford dance mods <laughs> yes someday someday one day um, so as far as uh, like getting into this professionally and for the, the people that are watching that are want to do similar things to what you do, um, how did you go about the process of setting prices and like kind of blocking out services and actually structuring it? So for me, I know that like campaigns and even small businesses, because I don't just do campaigns, I do businesses, I do um personal branding I do you know a whole wide array of things so when I'm coming up with prices I set myself lower than standard and that's um it's not because I view my work as lower it's because I want to work with my clientele and I have found that if I price myself at the standard so um, if you go to like a brick and mortar design place, you're looking at $80 to $100 an hour. 
Yeah. Um, cause I used to work for one. So that's how I knew that. But that's crazy. Yeah. I work from home. Um, I'm a work from home mommy. So I, um, I don't really have too much of an overhead. So I have the luxury of pricing a little bit lower. And I also do payment plans with all my clients. Hmm. Um, but I'll do branding packages. So basically, you know, your logo, your print collateral, social media setup, stuff like that, like an initial setup of like 600 bucks. And the reason I do that, which it's out and that even sounds like a lot, but I do it all in priced chunks. Um, typically what happens is if you go and even just ask for a brand guide, the standard is a minimum thousand dollars. Typically, typically. So I don't like to do that. I, I like to work with small businesses. I like to work with those people. I mm -hmm. don't want to go and charge them an arm and a leg. Campaigns also don't a lot of times have $600 just lying around and they're like, well, I can't afford you. And I go, okay, can you afford 150 down and we'll work out a payment plan throughout the process? Because I don't want to see a campaign give up on their brand and lose votes just because they can't afford a service. I've worked it out with them. There have been campaigns where I've ended up doing it for less than that just because I really have a passion for making sure that we're looking professional. So... Yeah. I mean, pricing is always the worst part for me because I'm like, listen, we got to talk money at some point, you know, and I, I hate those conversations and I know we have to have them, but mm -hmm. I try to let people know that when I say a price, like, okay, this is the entire process. This is everything you're getting. And I'm going to, most of the time I, I work, I do more than what I outline in my proposals just because I care. Which shoots me in the foot sometimes because mm -hmm. people are like, cool, can I have like 37 graphics too? And I'm like, no, okay, there's a limit. <laughs> Got a limit here. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I really, I care and I, you know, I want to see people succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, um, I even had a real estate agent where she was like, well, I want my, my social media to just start looking a little bit more professional and I was like, okay, you know, here's my monthly price for what you're asking for. And she's like, well, I don't know. And I was like, try it for a month. Tell me what you think after a month. And after the month, she's like, oh my gosh, that was worth every penny. I just keep showing everyone screenshots of my Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> because I'm designing all of her real estate graphics and she's a luxury real estate agent. Mm. So in there are a few, you know, selfies of her out on, you know, the yacht that she's staying on and the keys and, you know, all these different things. But, you know, she she was like, oh, I don't know, it's a little bit hefty. But now she understands the importance of it. And she has gotten so many leads just based on how good her Instagram looked, which is insane. Nice. Yeah. She's that like, sounds like a really fun client, too. Oh, she's one of my favorites. Mm. She is one of my favorite clients. Just because she's so understanding and she's so caring, but like she's fun. Like we have so much fun planning her social media content. She's like, hey, I went for a sunrise walk with my dog today. I'm like, yeah, I could turn that into a story. Let's do it. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> uh, some, some people just 
live in a different world and I envy them where, where just everything is so much happier and I don't, I want to unlock that world and I don't know how I've been Nature. told it's mushrooms, mm, which is see? natural. Yeah. My client tells me nature. She's like, mm. go on a hike. She's like, are you feeling stressed today? Go on a hike. Go, go outside. I'm like, okay. And it works for some reason. See, so, it, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes what happens is I'll go for a walk to like, yeah, I'm feeling stressed. I'll go for a walk. And then I'll like be on a walk and either A, I will start want desiring something that I did not bring on the walk, whether it's my phone or like a cigarette or like weed or something, uh, my headphones, something. I, for, I will always forget something. Um, not because I'm forgetful, but because while I'm on the walk, somehow my brain will figure out something that I don't have and then randomly crave it. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and then I will just be thinking and, and I will think myself into something even more obnoxious. I'll like, you know what? This situation is stressing me out. I'm going to go for a walk and I'll think about it. No, that's not, that doesn't work. So sometimes it works for me. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes you have to do that like mindless activity. Like I'll go on a hike and I'll sit there and like, there's my favorite hiking spot. There's this cute little like pond area. I'll just grab rocks and just start skipping them. I'm like, I'm just going to set myself some aimless goals of something just to get my mind off of what I'm stressed out about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really cool. Or I, I move projects too, where I'm like frustrated with one project and I'm like, I'm going to move to a different project just for a hot second or go play with my two-year-old. She always calms me down. That that's, that's helpful. That's a, an asset I don't have. <laughs> it's one of those or puppies are always good. Puppies are fun. Yeah. Most of the time, except for when they bark, when you're trying to live stream. Yeah. There's two dogs in this house that I'm staying in at the moment, and uh, they wake me up every morning barking at basically nothing. Um, this morning, uh, it was like everyone had gone to work. Everyone was gone. Like the house was empty except for like me and one other person who was still asleep. And the dogs are just barking at at my door. And I'm like, what the fuck do you want? And I get out, go outside, and I just run down the stairs, and I'm like, is there someone like outside? Did someone ring the doorbell and I didn't hear them? Like, no, nothing. They just really wanted to say good morning to me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. There was an invisible squirrel. You just didn't see it. It's mm -hmm. mean. Apparently. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. But so yeah. yeah. Back pricing. to the, uh, the pricing. Because <laughs> um, dogs uh, invade everything. Um, oh, wait, no, I get to blame every sidetrack on you in this one, you said. Um, yeah. Every time we get sidetracked, it's your fault. Uh -huh. Yeah, because I am super creative and I sidetrack everything. I am that typical. I, I'm sure you've seen the meme on Facebook where it's like you start the conversation with your spouse here and then there's like 18 different roads and then you finally get back to your point. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Every time. Same. Uh, Jason loves me so much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, pricing is, uh, for, in my experience, also the most obnoxious part of of basically everything. Especially if you're if your a main clientele is 
um, less uh, less fortunate financially in what they yeah. can afford. I forgot to put that back up after we made fun of Harrison. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but and and especially if you're like not a very pushy person and you're like kind of like a nice person, yeah, to be like, okay, but you have to pay me. <laughs> like, I run into that issue so often where I'm so nice, and then I have some clients that like don't pay me for months, and I'm like, hey, um, I did all this work for you. And I really kind of need payment. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me get that to you. And I'm like, okay. But I, I hate doing it. I absolutely hate doing it. And the other thing on pricing, too, you know, when I was saying, like, okay, I started them at, like, $600 for, like, branding and stuff like that. What people don't realize is, like, so you can go to Fiverr, which I hate Fiverr, but you can go to Fiverr and ask someone for a logo for like 30 bucks. And that's cool. You probably have the same logo as like 50 other people. Because most of the time it's like reused icons and things like that. Mm -hmm. When I do a logo, I like I have a light table. I actually like sketch everything out. I do like a full like thought map as to like what I'm doing. Like it's a full case study for your logo. I'm not just like, yeah, uh, this looks cool. And then so you don't just like take a random statue of Liberty and put words on it. I I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, you're fine. But like, I don't like, I don't do that. I always make sure. And then the other thing too, is that when I do typography on a logo, I, everything is kerned and typeset. Everything, like, I don't just type in a word and, like, in a certain font and that's it. Like, I go through and I make sure, because when you actually have a font, the spacing between all of your letters is not actually accurate. Basically, if you take, like, the outside of your letter and draw a box, that's how it's all staggered. So if you have an A next to a W, you'll notice that you'll have this really weird gap that looks obnoxious. So then you have to actually move it over manually. Like I physically typeset every single letter in all of my logos. I also, it drives me nuts. So some fonts, the bottom of their letters don't actually line up in like their X height, which drives me insane. So I will manually go through and I will fix it. I mean, like, wow, it is detailed to the max and partially. So there's two reasons for that. One, you have to make sure it's aesthetically pleasing, right? Mm -hmm. If I, if there's a W and an A next to each other and this, this giant gap, like that's going to bother me as a consumer. That's, it's going to bother me. And I'm be like, I, I have actually not okay i'm gonna admit this on live stream right now i have not voted for people simply because their lawn sign was terrible not gonna lie <laughs> respectable that's respectable yeah I, i'm like you don't care enough to actually typeset your logo i don't care about you i've i've done it i've said it but right. but it's okay that was you know a long time ago and it's fine it's fine Sure. But, um, so I, I physically go through and make sure that everything is 
perfect. And nine times out of 10, I'm also like altering the letters too. Sometimes I may not like how wide the E is, or I may want the E to go into another letter to create motion, or I might want this. Like I, it's extensive. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, hey, type this in and we're done. You yeah. know? Yeah, that was, so I've tried to make, uh, I've had a, I've had multiple brand brands throughout my life. Yeah. Um, and I put that in air quotes because maybe two of them would have met like any type of professional standards for like having a brand. Um, and, and one of them is fight for Liberty. The other one being, uh, my, my comp, my old finance company. Um, but even both of those were like, you know, it's, it's a font, uh, on a, on an image, not a, uh, like no, no creation. I guess I was always dumbfounded by people's like ability to basically create a new font or like, you know, something that you couldn't just type up. And like, I really wanted, I really wanted something for a logo for my company. And I'm like, I literally don't even know how to do this. Because yeah. like it was called umbrella funding and I wanted like the U to go up. And so like the, you know, how the curve at the bottom of an umbrella mm-hmm. would be like the U for the umbrella. Like, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. No idea how to make that a thing. Like, n- no clue. Guess we're just going to have to like literally plagiarize. I basically, um, I, I came up with that idea after I, I did the brand that I ended up with. But um, I basically just plagiarized the umbrella corporation logo and just like change the colors and a little bit of the design and i mean i think copyright is like 70 percent. so as long as it's like 30 percent different i think then mm-hmm. you're okay i got things printed off multiple times uh while my colors were still different and then i tried to i had like a i was trying to create like a, a subsidiary brand that the colors were a lot closer to the original. And so yeah. that was the first time somebody was like, hey, this looks familiar. I don't think we can sell you these business cards, sir. Yeah. Little did he know his clerk already had. Right. <laughs> Love it. Um, and actually, so that brings up, so the color thing brings up my other uh, famous pet peeve. So color contrast people when when they create a logo they don't actually check it and that drives me insane so i have worked for campaigns in the past who remain nameless and your lawn the lawn sign would be out front and you can't read it why because the colors don't have enough contrast. So I actually worked for a company and we did online education. So I would design online education models or modules for uh, one of them was a wine company. So that was really fun because I got samples in the mail. Nice. Yeah, that was the best job. But every single slide word didn't matter. I had to check its color contrast. And if it didn't pass, I couldn't use it. So it could just be like, yeah, it could just be like the, an image of a grape or something like that. And if it can't be picked up, then it doesn't fly, which is great because, you know, people who are 
um, impaired and they're relying on, um, I forgot what they're called, but basically where the computer will just read to you everything that's on the screen. Mm. If it's an image or um, if it is in the learning module, it can actually pick up what it is. But if it's too light, it can't pick it up. Hmm. So that's how I started learning about it. Um, and then I realized that there are a lot of brands out there that they don't pass accessibility at all. And the issue for that really is like social media. And even when you print things, you're not going to be able to read it or it's not as legible. Mm -hmm. And so it can actually cost you votes and it can actually cost you dollars. Um, so How do like you check it like there are a couple um and i can i can put one of them in the chat there's one called um web am contrast checker and so you actually just put the hex numbers of your foreground and your background and it tells you if it passes accessibility or not hmm. so i whenever i'm designing a logo or a brand in general i always have them up and one of the things that I include in my branding packages is an entire report on what passes accessibility and what doesn't. So if I'm doing a brand, so typically my logos are one or two colors, but I'm, I usually have about five colors that go with the brand um, for different purposes. And so I will show you, okay, so if we use a navy blue background, I made sure that the red that we used passed accessibility because not all of them will. Um, so I made sure that it passed accessibility. So if you have a navy blue background, you can use white or red typeface and you're fine. Um, but you don't want to use like a yellow on a red because it doesn't pass. You don't want to use light blue and white on top of it because it will not pass. You don't want to use light blue and then put red on top of it because that hurts my eyeballs mm -hmm. uh, and it does not pass. Mm -hmm. So you always want to make sure that everything you do and nothing kills me more than it doesn't pass accessibility. So we're just going to outline it. No. No, don't outline it because it's just it looks like it just went through a meme maker. And it drives me insane. <laughs> if I see one more like white or yellow with black outline, I might lose my mind. It drives it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Sorry, those are my pet peeves of the day. So no, I love that last bit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so um, especially the um the red on blue bit, because um I did it, I did it as a joke. Um we're, I was designing, uh, I was, I was actually designing labels for Nug of Knowledge, uh, one of my sponsors, uh, and I was just in a very bad mood and nothing was really working. So I made the worst possible label I could think of. I did literally like red Comic Sans on blue, like light blue with Ugh. just it, it was like nothing aligned correctly like i tried to like i tried to make it as bad as possible yeah because because good in graphic design is subjective right and you mm -hmm. have to like think and be creative bad is not bad is like like there are just things you don't do so i could mm -hmm. break every rule and and accomplish that goal 
so much like easier and better without like having to be creative. So I just like, I spent like an hour and a half and I made the worst fucking label I possibly could. And um, both my partner and my boss hated it with a burning passion like they should have and we destroyed it and it was never ever considered but um the new labels actually look great um i've done that on purpose actually a couple of times where i'm like i i'll have like a a super picky client i haven't done this in years but i had one client who was super 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 picky and i was like okay so i'm gonna give you two options and one of them looked absolutely terrible like We're talking Lucida handwriting in like rainbow colors on top of like this thing and throw some glitter on it. Like it's fine. Um, And then I'm like, but here's the properly designed label. And they're like, oh, that looks so much better. And I'm like, thank you. Thank God. Because I needed a decision. What would you do if they picked the other one? Cry. Legitimately cry. (laughs) Just be like, good thing they only purchased the logo. Oh, no, this was a four-month contract, damn it. (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah. So, you know, and I keep going back to pricing, but it's like all of these things, I'm like, you have to understand, like, you have a logo and you have some colors assigned to it. But, like, it's not like I just, like, go through a color slider and I'm like, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, this looks great. That hurt my feelings. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, perfect. Uh, I was like, I mean to. But it's like I like you have to look at psychology breakdowns, you have to look at contrast checkers. I'll pick like a generalized color scheme and then I'm going through Pantone swatches and I'm like, okay, cuz you have to make sure that's the other thing. Pantone swatches are your best friend because you want to make sure that your navy blue is the same printed as it is on web, as it is on shirts, as it is on everything. So making sure that you use Pantone. How do you do that? So (laughs) um, (laughs) there are, you could just like go on Pantone.com and you can see like a bunch of different Pantone swatches. Um, or like there's books. I actually have like a children's book of Pantone swatches, which is hilarious. They assign like funny names to them, which is really cute. Um, I found it helpful quite a few times. Um, so I, I can imagine. Right. My daughter loves it too. She's like, mommy, look, it's a crab. I'm like, yeah, it's a crab, honey. It's crab red. It's fine. Um, So I'll go through and I'll, you know, look at the different Pantone swatches on there. And I'm looking for it. It's like picking a paint swatch for a house, right? You're, you're looking at blue, Mm -hmm. but you're looking for that blue. Like, do you want a more grayish blue? Do you, what are you pairing it with? Do you want it more of like a turquoise blue? Do you need a dark shade to contrast your other colors? Like there's like a whole mixology almost to it right Mm -hmm. so you pick that color and then if you go into illustrator the pantone swatches are preloaded in illustrator so you can actually go into the color books in illustrator and just like type in the pantone swatch number and it comes up nice yeah and and all of those specific colors are the ones that are going to be good on like the various different things that's why you do that 
Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, okay, because I've I you said Pantone swatch, and I had I've never heard of that before. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a color book, so you can actually order like you know those old paint swatch books that you mm-hmm. used to get that had like the little button. You could just like rotate it, so you can get those. And basically that just ensures that when you go to a screen printer or you go to your signage person or whomever, you could say, Hey, my Pantone colors are 289 C this one and this one. And they go, okay, awesome. And they'll Pantone match for you. So that way things don't, if your color is blue, it doesn't all of a sudden show up purple and you're like, what the heck, Hmm. you know? Because I've had that happen. I created a logo for somebody a long, long time ago. And it looked great on web. It looked wonderful on social media. We got stuff printed and it looked purple. And it was horrible. So, because it was an American flag. And I'm like, well, American flag is not purple. (laughs) It should be. It, It should be. But... Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, we're going to have to change this. So I ended up redoing a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah. Well, that's... Uh, t- wow. I've, I'm learning so much in this episode. I'm loving it. <laughs> this is exactly... Um, like I said, I like this is more for me than any of my viewers. I mean, I'm glad you guys are watching, but like this, I, I don't care about you on this episode. Um, <laughs> so how do you uh, develop and speak in a brand voice? Develop and speak in a brand voice. Like, huh? Like, how do you go through that process of like figuring out wh- what, they're like you know and and how their social media is going to look and that kind of stuff and then put it into action so all my clients i go through a branding questionnaire with them which basically talks about like what kind of emotion you're trying to evoke um what your goals are for your business things like that and then we start really like getting into the nitty-gritty like i Um, I'm actually doing a logo on cannabis activism and I did not get that through the libertarian party. It was actually a friend of a friend and he's like, Hey, can you do this? And are you okay with cannabis? And I was like, yeah, I'm a libertarian. They're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is great. So I ended up doing, I ended up doing their logo and we're in the process of like figuring out their whole brand and everything like that. But when I asked them, I was like, what kind of emotion are you trying to evoke? And it was like 17 different emotions. And I was like, I can make that work. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Right? So I'm I like, mean, okay. as long as the people you're trying to invoke them in are using cannabis, you can do that in roughly 12 minutes. Right. So it's <laughs> fine. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I want to understand like the psychology behind your brand, what you're trying to accomplish and everything like that. And then I start brainstorming um, colors. I thought map a lot. Hmm. So like I'll sit there and um, one of the companies I did, it was called like day one. And I'm like, okay, day one, what does that mean? And I'm like, okay, the beginning of something a calendar, a, like a whole bunch of different things. And I will literally just draw like a spider web of all these different things that I think of when I hear that. And then I move on to the next word 
And then I sit there and thought map out the entire whole thing. And it's funny because, you know, when I was in design school, I had this Russian professor who was my favorite and everyone hated him because he would assign something on Tuesday. He'd be like, okay, we need a logo for this, this one company, right? You have a hundred sketches due on Thursday. What? Jesus so Christ. you would do it, right? And you would show up and 98 of them would be crossed out with a red Sharpie. I have a fear of red Sharpies. Not really. I actually love red Sharpies. But, um, and he'd circle like two of them that he would want you to develop further. And it was cool because it was like, it's always like towards the end where it's, you're really developing out that brand strategy. You're developing out where you want this to go. And so when I hear like day one, for example, I'm like day one, a calendar, right? Like all these things that you would typically think of, but then I'm like, okay, what about a sunrise? Like, cause that's the beginning of a day. What about this? What about that? And you really just start developing that flow. Um, and so it kind of writes itself just from thought mapping and then you start applying all these different things. So target demographic is how I'm choosing typefaces and colors and, you know, it just kind of all meshes together. It's, I don't know. It's like, it's like a crazy puzzle that I have like worked out in my brain. Nice. So what could activists or aspiring politicians or uh, maybe entrepreneurs that are not quite ready to pull the trigger on things like be like, what are some thought experiment experiments that like a, an activist could go through to try to, I guess, have that like questionnaire, those, some of those questionnaire answers better thought out before they get it from you. Yeah. Um, and anyone can go to my website and look at them too. I mean, it's really like 10 questions that it starts the process, but I ask you a lot more in-depth questions as we go too. Um, really just be thinking of your why is number one. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to get out of this? What is your goal? Right? So if you're an activist, what are you an activist for? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you fighting for? And that's going to start liberty. See, it's right there. Liberty, right. <laughs> uh, you're fighting for liberty. Okay. So let's stop that <laughs> this real quick. I'm just kidding. Um, so it's like, okay, now what do you think of when you think of those things? What do you think of change? Do you think of, you know, what emotion is evoked Statue there? Of liberty. That's Statue of Liberty. Of. Perfect. <laughs> I'm Great. I'm <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So it's like, you have to like, you think through all of those things. Mm. And even if you, you know, if you're not ready to pull the trigger on, you know, branding or things like that quite yet, but you want to put something out there or help someone who's in those beginning stages, at least just go through double check colors. You know, if I have clients who they're like, Hey, I already have my colors picked out. And I'm like, Hey, cool. I'm still going to double check that they pass accessibility and I will let you know if they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but at least kind of like start feeling that out, start thought mapping and really getting to what you're trying to evoke. Start figuring out who your target demographic is. Right. So libertarians we kind of like stick in this box right mm -hmm. we're like 
okay, everything's going to be black and gold and everyone's going to love us. And I'm like, no, not everyone is going to love you at that point. We need mm -hmm. to, let's really think of what we're trying to do. Who is our target demographic? Because if it's just other libertarians, we're not going to mm -hmm. get anywhere. But it's also not just disenfranchised voters. Right. <laughs> I hear that. Like, or 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 the that fifty-two percent that doesn't normally vote. No. That's so frustrating. And actually, so I had um I was really excited. I had one candidate, I'll give you this as an example. So I had one candidate who I'm like, okay, talk to me. He's running um in Tennessee. And so I'm like, okay, talk to me about your area. Are they super mega Trumpers? Are they like, what are we looking at? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of went through that and I'm like, okay, what are the core topics that people care about there? You know, what, like I find out all of this stuff before I even develop a brand. Right. And we ended up going with like a Navy blue and red for the color scheme because it kind of, and it, it was kind of cool. We kind of like tricked people into thinking that it was Republicans. And they were like, oh, what's this message? Because they look like they're a Republican. No, they're not. No. But guess what? We, on the website, says we want to, you know, do this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. And then they find out we're a libertarian. They're like, oh, I might have to. It starts getting the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. So if sometimes, I mean, sometimes if you're, you know, right up front saying you're a libertarian, sometimes it works because people, they kind of want to look toward third party at this point because they're mm -hmm. tired, tired of the Republicans, you know. But in Tennessee, where it is super MAGA country out there, they don't want to see black and gold on the side of the road. They're going to see, oh, red, who are they? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. How do you, um, what's maybe some of the things that you consider when you're trying to figure out if, if an area is, is more open to third party or if we should try to trick them instead? So I, I work a lot with the campaigns, um, as a whole, like right now we're doing, um, doing a race in Georgia and we actually just did their special election. Uh, but for example, it is Savannah, Georgia, and it was a libertarian running against four Democrats. No Republicans. So I'm like, well, they are heavily blue. Um, so, yeah. So um, I will look at things like that. Like, who are we running against? You know, what have the previous elections looked like? Things like that. The really cool thing about that election, though, was... There was one clear winner who was the Democrat, but we were the only other candidate to win whole precincts in the voting area. Wow. So, and part of that was because we were branded. We branded a bus, like we put banners on the side of a bus. We did lawn signs. Our palm cards matched. Our business cards matched. We had shirts. We had, I mean, like we went all out for a special election, which is pretty impressive because most of the time people don't have time in a special election. Mm -hmm. um, but now we can use that as a stepping stone for this upcoming election and go, okay, here's where we won these precincts. Let's see if we can branch that out and go here. I mean, the fact that 
we beat out other Democrats in that race in a heavily blue area, that's speaking volume, you know? Oh, yeah. Bravo. That is awesome. Yeah. That. Um, I had I had thought of another question that that wasn't written down while you were saying that, and and it just completely escaped me. Um, it's all good. Um, <clears throat> this okay, is your so brain on drugs, kids. Um, <laughs> well, it's okay because actually, on that last bit, um, you know, we were talking about that campaign. We had such great volunteers too. Like hmm. everyone was so gung ho, like, let's go door knock, let's go wave signs, let's go do all these things. Like that team, I loved them. And the fact that we're all working together again was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, how when you're when you're doing uh the social media stuff, yeah, how do you avoid uh redundancy in your posts? That's so so this is actually the the most genuine question on this list, because like if you look at my social media, especially my like the fight for liberty Twitter itself, like I reuse the exact same transitionary words like in almost every post like like it's cringy, like someone like you would probably like if you just like looked through my content calendar and read all my posts, you would hate me. Uh, but because they're like, you know, every four days and they're on Twitter and only seven people see them uh, at a time, you know, like it's no one notices how cringy my social media really is or how redundant it is. But how especially with multiple different social medias and just the amount of content that you have to curate, uh, how do you think of different things all the time? So for me, I kind of so when I'm building a calendar, I kind of like plan out my week with i'm like okay what if we do i want at least a quote graphic right i want at least um mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go real estate client just because they're who i just got done working with earlier so i know i'm gonna do a testimonial right mm -hmm. i know that i want to show properties that i've sold this week but i don't want it to be the same look as the property that I sold the week before. So I'm going to like mix that up just a little bit. I have templates for them, but I mix it up and do a little bit of different things. So I'll like swap colors and stuff within their brand guide. Um, but I try to, so let's say, let's say you write an article, right? And, or like a longer post and you're taking quotes from it. You can break, instead of doing one giant post, you can break that up into quote graphics that last for like four different weeks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you could do things like that. Um, you can even do stuff that just kind of boosts your algorithm. Like I did, um, I mean, we did do a pizza one today, which was kind of fun. Nice. Um, but we did um, actually today. So we're doing this really cool content uh, thing for February where instead of our testimonials on Tuesdays, we are doing small business testimonials for other small businesses. Mm. So we are giving out electronic Valentine cards to um, four different businesses. So we'll feature one a week. Um, 
just on, hey, we love them. We work with them. We trust them showing that you're, you have a network of other small businesses that you work with, but you're tagging them and then they're sharing it. And then, so you're boosting your algorithm at the same time. So yeah, I mean, I find, cause at the beginning of the week, you kind of just like look at a blank social media calendar. You're like, well, crap. <laughs> but then like you start plugging in the things that you know, you know, it's like, okay, well, I know I have a show on Monday. No, mm -hmm. I have a show on Tuesday. Okay. What if on Thursday I go and take a quote from Kelsey Lyons interview on Wednesday and or Tuesday. And I'm like, Hey, go back and check this out. Try to get some more viewers. Or, mm -hmm. um, if I take, you know, maybe a quote from the person that I'm going to feature next week and just say, Hey, are you as excited as I am? this person's going to be on my show, you know? So just trying to get creative with pumping up previous shows or future shows or quotes from you on why you fight for Liberty. I mean, that's a really good one for you mm -hmm. because a lot of those personal posts actually get more likes and reactions. Interesting. Yeah. I honestly very, very rarely post about myself. I've made out of the probably four, 50 quote graphics I've made in the last month and a half. Um, don't worry, I didn't post them all in a month and a half. They're like scheduled out for a little while. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be like two a day. Um, but uh, I think two of them are from me. <laughs> I mean... Most of them are from books that I've read. Um, and then I usually get at least three or four from my guests, like this beautiful one right Aww, here. That's my <laughs> I hubby. found it. Well... While you were talking about quote graphics, it's like, hey, I have those. I love it. See, but like doing things like that where there's like faces and stuff like that and like mm. personal quotes. I mean, if you use a lot of the content from the videos that you've gotten and things like that, it's mm. it'll fill up your calendar easier than what you thought. Yeah. So I actually back in. I don't know. I think this is had to have been like the first week of the year. Um, I went through, I bought a, I bought like a, a normal sized calendar uh, like yeah. I always do. And then I bought like one of the, the ones that are like half as wide mm -hmm. The and uh, had like a two and a half hour car ride to go on. And I just sat there and just wrote like the basic idea of like of every like I scheduled out three months worth of a content calendar in yeah. a two and a half hour like I everything through till the end of March is there's like you know it's either just has quote graphic or clip or you know media share or or partner promotion you know just like yeah. super generic but I have everything until the end of March um, and that's all in my Airtable so when I'm going into Airtable I just have like a to-do list that's like a it takes everything that's in the next 10 days that's not done um, and it's there. And so I just have like that much to work on, uh, which has been working fairly well at like keeping the ADHD down because I can. The great part is I can work on different pieces of the post in really weird orders. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like I'll go through and. um I'll go through and make all the quote graphics and then I'll put them into Airtable 
and then I'll go through like two weeks later at some points and then figure out what I'm actually going to caption them as because that yeah. I suck at because it's like the quote is great. Like, why do I need to caption it? But I know that because of how social media works, I need to put text there. I can't just post an image. It doesn't work great, like, yeah. which is annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it really is annoying. And so it's funny that you said that, too, because I if people actually watched me work, they'd be like, dude, you need to lay off the coffee. <laughs> like, I am everywhere, right? Uh-huh. But I have, like, a certain flow. So, like, when I'm in Trello, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do Tuesday, and then I'm going to do Friday, and then I'm going to do Monday. And, like, I'll just sit down, and I'll do all of those days. But then, like, I'm, like, shifting cards and, like, moving things, and I'm all over the place. It makes sense in my brain. But if some random person watched how I worked, they'd be like, what are you doing? you are like, it's fine. I actually had a client. Okay, so I'm helping publish a book, which should be coming out soon. Oh? Yes, I do lots of things. You do, so, you do too, like, you do so <laughs> many things. People ask, they're like, when do you sleep? I'm like, I have my entire life schedule blocked out. So it's fine. Um, so I'm helping publish a book and it's on uh, photography on the Carl Sandburg uh, home trail in North Carolina, which is really oh. cool. It's a historical site and a national park and like all that fun stuff. So I'm helping do that right now. And my client was like, I'm going to come to your house and we're going to lay out this book together. And I'm like, I'm like, someone's going to watch me work. I was like, this is intense. <laughs> because laying out a book, so layout design is actually my favorite thing to do, publication design. Um, so, like, I've Ooh. designed uh, interactive magazines um, and things like that for uh, clients in New York City. So, yeah, like, it's it, that excites me more than most things. Layout design. It's a dying art. So I've turned that into like web layout design, but I still love me a good magazine. Um, so she sat at my house for eight hours and watched me work. And like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I accidentally put this photo in. She's like, well, can we put this here? Can we put this here? I'm like, I'm getting there. I have to do this in a certain order. Hold on. Hold on. So, Yeah. Yeah, work working with people, especially on design, is is difficult. Yeah, it's super difficult. Um, those aforementioned labels for uh, Nug of Knowledge was a was a cooperative project that did not necessarily go super great. Because um, yeah, to just like be on like a a Zoom where they're sharing their screen and like designing, and you're just kind of like throwing out random suggestions that aren't helpful yeah and in actuality um but like you you want to interject because you have suggestions and it you like yeah not not a great way to do it just don't don't co-design people just don't no i and because it's like you know i will give you a good project but it's like when i'm sitting there designing something i have so many tabs open because I research a lot. 
Like I would say if you assign me a logo project, I'm researching for at least two hours on projects. So I have like research tabs open mm -hmm. and then I have like my contrast checker open and then I have like these things open and then I have my email open. So it's like I have all these windows open and I'm working on this project and it's like I always have like a sketchbook next to me and then a cup of coffee for some reason coffee and wine coffee and wine are my go-to's when i'm designing or whiskey actually i like whiskey too mm. a woman yeah, of big... class All yeah right. so jason and coffee, i are coffee super... wine and whiskey i'm i'm a fan yeah jason and i are super big uh whiskey and bourbon drinkers mm -hmm. so i've started you... going more bourbon now are you in the bourbon caucus there's a bourbon caucus? Yes. Okay, I need to be added to the bourbon caucus. All right, I will send you an invite when we're done with this. Uh, Holly Ward yes. is our chair. This is amazing. <laughs> I love bourbon. I I, I actually made the group. Um, I think it was a clubhouse room that spurred it on. Um, yeah. So there was like four of us. And then Holly DM'd me once and she was like, hey, I see you're the admin on here and no one else is an admin and then you really haven't done anything with it. Like, do you mind if I like, can you like make me an admin and like, do you mind if I like do things with it? And I was like, here you go. Sure. <laughs> you take it. it. There you go. And she like made things and, you know, now it looks good and there's interactivity going on. And yeah, I, I just made it as a joke and added some people that would get the joke. And now it's a thing. And that's how the Waffle House caucus started. Right. Like that's how most of these caucuses started. I'm in so many. I hate caucuses. So I refuse to join any caucus that takes itself seriously. However, yes. Waffle House caucus, Melatonin caucus, Trashy Prom caucus, um, Magic the Gathering caucus, um, Bourbon caucus. Uh, there's more. Uh, I'm in the caucus. I'm in the LP get fit caucus. I like mm. that one where we're all focusing on our health. And then there's the libertarian moms caucus. So I like I like that one. Hmm. Um, Waffle House caucus is still my favorite. Hell yeah. I mean, my kids. So actually, speaking of Waffle House. So um, I was in one of my foodie groups for Greenville, South Carolina the other day. And someone asked, what is your favorite hibachi restaurant in South Carolina? And someone commented Waffle House. And I died for at least 10 minutes. That's great. Yeah. I was like, well, technically hash browns are hibachi, I guess. I mean, they make it in front of you, don't they? Right. I mean, and I always tip the, the guy at the grill. Hmm. At Waffle House. So, I mean, it's the same thing. The only thing you're not getting is like the sake getting poured into your mouth, but I'm sure, <gasps> sure somehow that can happen. Oh my gosh. I'm glad we're actually like going on the tangent of Waffle House and I'm remembering this in there in time. Um, <laughs> tonight I was, so I stopped at Waffle House on my way home from work tonight. And um, while I was sitting there waiting for my order, the, the cashier is on the phone and uh she she like takes the order she tells them the price and then there's like she's she's listening to them for some amount of time and she's like explaining the price so it sounds like someone's complaining of that it's too expensive um it's like a nine dollar tab right it's waffle house they ordered like hash browns and a fucking waffle um right. 
but so they there seemed to be some displeasure with the price and her response was um well i mean i could hook it up you know what i'm saying <laughs> i was like yes <laughs> i love this I love Waffle House. Meanwhile, the cook, um, like just after I sat down, he's like comes out from the back and starts making stuff. Um, and he puts the stuff in the waffle, like he gets the waffle batter on the waffle thing and like slams it too hard and just like splatters waffle batter like all over like it's just like a, a single line but just like across him and like the counter behind him and a little bit like on the cashier who's like way over here. <laughs> And I'm just like, I fucking love this place. Meanwhile, this Waffle House is located conveniently right in like on a corner lot. Yeah. Like, like, so main road, main road, Waffle House. What takes up all of this is a Mercedes Benz dealership. <laughs> it looks so out of place. There's like a four story tall glass wall, like uh, 75 yards away from this Waffle House. It looks so dumb. And it's probably a great Waffle House. Yeah, I mean, those fucking hash browns were amazing. I pretty much just always get a double hash brown all the way because it's it's like $7 and it's just great. Yeah. Jason's an all-star special kind of guy. Me, I'm like, I want some cheesy eggs and some hash browns. Like, I don't Mm. care. That's just, that's what I want. That sounds good. Whatever you got to call it, I don't care. (laughs) That's what I want. And then Jason made fun of me because so I had never had Waffle House until I moved to South Carolina five years ago. Mm. And that was the first thing that Jason made me get when we moved to South Carolina was Waffle House. As he should have. Yeah. He's good, and then he's Cookout. Mm. Cookout. Gun to my head, I might take Cookout over Waffle House. Like at any given day and i don't know if that's because it's rarer um like i get to i get to go to waffle house at least like a third of the year the last three years i've been somewhere with a waffle house yeah um i've spent like a total of 10 or 12 weeks somewhere with a cookout over the last two and a half years it's like ah and it's cheaper it's the only place that's got that you can get more food for less than waffle house it's... And they have cheer wine. And they have cheer wine. And they have milkshakes. And they 40 have 40 different flavors. 40 flavors of milkshakes. If anyone is watching this and you haven't been to Cookout and you're going anywhere near the Carolinas, go, go. Yes. Please. I'm going to plug it right now. Like, yeah. go to Cookout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like... our first two food choices. And I think that that was like perfect. Mm hmm. I, I appreciate that. Those are those are stellar. Um, we went to the the Yalcon in Orlando last year, and I had a call, car full of libertarians, and I made them all get cookout on our way through. Nice. Um, yeah, after yeah, I got them all all stoned and took them to cookout, and it was it was a great time. It was a very good time. That's perfect. Yeah. Now I wish there was going to be cookout in Reno when we all go to Reno. But there isn't. I and know. y'all already had your convention, didn't you? I already missed South it. Carolina? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had our convention. Because I um because that's the other thing that I do too. I design events. So I got to design the SCLP convention. What don't you do? 
Uh, I actually did, fun fact, I did the logo for National this year. For the, the, the Reno Carino? convention. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I did that. And then um, I'm getting to help design Reno. Interesting. Yeah. Is it going to be beautiful like everything oh. else you do? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is very much going to be beautiful. And I designed um, the, I don't know if you got to go, but the Joe Jorgensen, uh, Spike Cohen election night party in Dallas. I have never met Joe Jorgensen. Really? Are you going to Reno? Likely. Okay. I think I'm going to meet her. I'm going to meet her in Pennsylvania. Okay. Because I think she'll be there. Um, Yeah. Uh, Somehow we have never been in the same room. I've obviously been in the same room with Spike a lot. Um, And I've met pretty much all of the primary candidates from 2020, not the one that actually won. So I haven't Mm -hmm. met Hornberger either. Those, but it's literally like Hornberger and Jorgensen are the only ones I haven't met. I've met Sam Robb. I've met Kim Ruff. Like I met everybody else along the, not the, not the one that won or the one that was leading for the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. So Joe Jorgensen lives a mile from my house. Hmm. Yeah. So does Steve Dasbach. So does he live in her basement? No. (laughs) Nope. <laughs> Separate houses. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's Sorry. funny. I always find it funny when people are like, oh, I've never met Joe. And I'm like, really? Because it just like it blows my mind because I'm like, oh, I've met her like a hundred times. Cause mm-hmm. but um, yeah. No, that was really cool. Actually, so my favorite thing that I got to design from the campaign is oh, where did Jason put it? Jason hid my bourbon. So I got to design the bourbon bottles that Joe autographed for the election night. And we actually got backbone bourbon to do like a full run for us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's really super cool. cool. Yeah. So, um, and I have my bourbon bottle up here and I don't know where Jason put it, but I always like to show it off. Oh, hmm. found it. Haha. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then she autographed the side of that one for me. But That's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, ch- I kind of checked out of the LP in 2020. Um, yeah. I worked for Gabbard. And then um, our convention happened. And then I was like, okay, she seems boring and he seems weird. Um, I'm just going to, like, keep doing what I'm doing, which is working on, like, state house races and stuff. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then they turned out to be boring and weird. Um, and I was right. Um, but also, yeah, I just I was just like, nope, not dealing with all this drama. Once the like shirtless thing happened, I like checked out completely. Um, yeah. Not even because I was that annoyed with Spike, like most of my friends were. It was more just like the fact that we were going to be arguing over that instead of, I don't know, designing a logo. <sighs> That's Sorry. a whole topic should, for a whole another day. That's not the kind of like uh, side throw that I should have done with you on the show. No, it's <laughs> fine. I actually, so I want to preface this with, I was assigned to graphically design the campaign after Logo Gate happened. Uh, and I, yeah. 
I was like, okay, this is this is now the logo that we're going with. Okay. Really? Like th- this one? We're going with it. So when I design a bunch of stuff, we're not going to change it in 10 days. Mm-hmm. Oh, we went with it. Yeah. And then and then my job got fun, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was honestly like again, I didn't I I gave zero fucks about any of the logos. It was the timeline that annoyed me, which like I know had nothing to do with you cuz they were just not they like they could have hired you months sooner and then and, and they they didn't um mm-hmm. but yeah, they uh, so it was funny because I was consulting before mm-hmm. that, and uh, I kept saying, "I'm like, guys, we need to figure out this logo. Figure out the dang logo. Figure out the dang colors." Because like no one could agree on anything, so I was like, "Let's figure this out." Finally, it got figured out, and all is right with the world. But that took way too damn long. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and for all of those watching that want to run for office, um, which shouldn't be very many of you at this point, because I pitch basically anything else other than running for office. But if you're wanting to do something, um, get a logo before you announce. Yes. And and have a campaign manager. Yes. And a campaign treasurer. Mm hmm. And like a thousand dollars in in donations already, then announce. Yes, I swear to God, if you change your Twitter handle before you have a campaign manager, I will never help your campaign. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I'm not allowed to say whose campaign I'm working for right now because I just got brought onto it yesterday. But that's because we're doing things right. Mm-hmm. And we're making a logo mm-hmm. and we're doing the things before we announce anything. Yeah. And it's magic, right? Because then you get hit with that brand right away. Mm-hmm. Now you can tell your friends. Yeah. Cause like you friends need to, fine. that's part of the part, like, cause you need to do the finding of campaign manager and stuff. And like, yeah, but yeah, no, do, don't reach out to press. Don't change your Twitter handle. What's worse is that most people don't reach out to press at all. Um, so do reach out to press, but after you have a brand and a logo and everything. Yes. And a headshot. Please, and for a- the love of God, mm. get a dang headshot. Mm-hmm. Spend the $200. I'm going to pull a Brian Lambert here because I love me some Brian <laughs> yes. Lambert. Okay. So pay the $200. Get the damn headshot. Because that is what speaks volume about you as a person. You mm-hmm. with an Instagram selfie as your headshot is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That was my inner Brian Lambert. I'd love it. Um, yeah. And this goes, this is one of the most like, I'll, I'll make the crossover between candidate and activist. I don't care what you're doing. Get a headshot. Because, mm-hmm. because you know, when you have a headshot, I can make great great things that look like this because there was a professional photo sent to me and not something that I had to find on your fucking Twitter account because you have nothing. So. Yep. <laughs> so yes. Just, just get a headshot. It's not it, that hard. It, 
No, and it drives me nuts. And people are like, oh, well, I could just take a picture. Uh, no, get a professional hedge. We can we can figure out the difference, right? Uh, between a professional headshot and something you went and took in your backyard, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And because also, you know, Brian made a really good point. So Brian and I were on a panel in South Carolina talking about overall brand and messaging and campaigns. And so Brian actually had said that when he does his press releases for Spike, his headshot is on every single one of them. Professional headshot. When I do campaign websites for people, what's on their about section? A professional headshot. Sometimes I even use it on the homepage. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what we're feeling at the time. So, yes, having a professional headshot is extremely, extremely important. Yes. Yes. And a high resolution one. Except I'm a little bit worried which headshots Brian is including in all of these press releases. Because Spike has one set of of headshots that are not attractive. Which ones? like at all i don't know there's there's ones where he's like he's like and it's and it's really um spike hates them and so i troll him with them constantly um but they are actually the ones that like the only reason that i have the entire set of them is because brian lambert sent them to me when spike was coming on the show and um like in response to hey can you send me some headshots of spike and so i don't think i don't know if spike knows that that brian is the reason that i have all of those and keep trolling him with them but i also don't think spike watches my show so he won't he find might, out i'm here mm, that's true mm. I'm oh just well kidding. sorry brian <laughs> brian's in trouble i'm gonna make brian watch the show later i'll mm-hmm. be fine i'm gonna text him <laughs> So, no, no, I love Spike. And I love Brian. Both of them are some of my favorite people. They're my favorite headshots. He's an angelic angel. Yes, he is. He is, he is. That's wonderful. That's that's what we like to see in this family. That photo is going on my Christmas tree next year as my angel. I love. Okay. So funny story about that. Actually, if you want to know something hilarious about Spike. So way before Spike was running for anything. Right. So um, we had a running joke. So he, uh, one of our mutual friends who actually, he is the reason that we got into the libertarian party. So Spike wasn't invited to his wedding. But me and Jason and Matt Hicks and a couple others were. Mm. And so what we did is we printed out a four by six picture of Spike and we laminated it and we brought it to the wedding. So and then we just kept taking pictures of Spike in all the different places at the wedding. We put him in front of a baby's face. We put him at the buffet. We put him. He got to sit next to me at dinner. All of these different things that we just kept sending them to Spike. And to this day, Jason still has that picture of Spike. That's and we will wonderful. bring it places. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many things that could be done with that. Right. That's just like an endless mountain of joy. I, 
I'm uh, I'm attempting to find if I can find it quick enough, but I don't know where it is on my phone. I'm attempting to find. I made a a wonderful meme out of that spike headshot um, that Elizabeth is referencing uh, <laughs> down here. Um, the and meme we I, made. Um, yeah, because uh, I I have like who who wore it better between Spike and a literal cherub. Um, there it is. <laughs> All right. That's hilarious. Oh no, it's just me. There we go. I was like, uh oh, where'd I? I'm here. I, uh, instead of moving the entire screen, like I, because I, I have a MacBook, so I can just like swipe desktops over uh, yeah. i swiped to just the uh back like to the previous page which is you know not in this yeah um, gotta love gotta love technology right. um, so um final final wrap-up thoughts on um how one can better establish their or uh yeah better establish their brand through throughout their whatever it is that they're doing so actually now that i think of it so there's one other thing when creating a logo that is also very important and then i'm going to get to that final question so you always want to make sure that your logo can be used in single color as well as full color hmm. there are lots of reasons why you would need a single color logo rather than a full color logo um if you're doing like an event and they're advertising you, they usually just do single color of all of the vendor sponsors and stuff on the bottom. Um, if you're doing certain print things, they need just single color. So you want to always make sure that it can stand on its own. Um, final thoughts. Uh, just make sure that number one, you understand that your logo is your brand, but your brand is so much more than your logo. So making sure that everything matches, everything is cohesive, everything speaks about you. I mean, we even joked about socks, right? Like making mm -hmm. sure your socks match. You don't actually have to, but that would look very good. Um, so just making sure that you are on brand all the time and anything that you put out. Um, you know, I hate it when you have people who put out this like, professional everything on social media and then all of a sudden they have memes that are a different font different colors different everything and it, it just none of it matches and you're like well did this come from this candidate or where did this come from like did they just swipe it what's mm. going on so yes <laughs> yes it drives me insane um mm. so making sure and also um if anyone does want to book me for logos and branding and all of that stuff so bless you the Thank first you. person who um books me because of your show is getting 50 dollars off so you just have mm -hmm. to let me know that you watch the fight for liberty podcast and you will get 50 dollars off if you are the first one to do so nice yeah go do it right now 
Yes. Have yeah, to, have to I, like check multiple things and compare timestamps to figure out who actually reached out first. I seriously would love that. Like I would get so excited. I probably would give away more than one at that point, but no, in all seriousness, like I, I want to help as many campaigns and small businesses as I humanly can. Like I want to be able to look at my calendar and be like, I'm booked solid, you know, because, and it's not because of finances for me. It's not because of like name recognition for me. It's, Mm -hmm. I truly want to help candidates I truly want to take my talents and my experience. Okay, so I've been doing this for 15 years this year. I've been doing graphic design. I'm 31. I was hired the day I turned 16. Wow. So for 15 years, I have been doing this. That's really crazy to say. I just made that realization and now I feel old. Um <laughs> But yeah, like if you, I, I really want to help. I really want to make sure that we are taken seriously as a party. I want to make sure that candidates are taken seriously. I want to make sure that the strategies are on point. I want to make sure that everyone is recognized in their campaign. And I want to actually give them a fight. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I really want to help develop this party. I want to help develop small businesses and I have some crazy out of the box thinking ideas for marketing, like that small business Valentine's Day card. I don't know anyone else who's doing that, you know, mm-hmm. but it was just like this thought that I had while driving down the road. And I'm like, oh, this would be so cool. But it's working, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I just want I really want to help everyone, all of the people. Might I suggest this image for the for the card? Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to tell Spike I need to make him a Valentine's Day card now, and I am going to use that. Mm. I I actually, so along with this meme, there was another, um, I made a, I made a Valentine's. Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I scheduled to po- it to post on Valentine's Day. So I think I already have a Valentine's Day post scheduled and it's made out of, um, I think that image or, or one of the other ones from that same photo shoot. It's like roses are red, violets are blue. And and the the Fed and the ATF two or something like that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was a very fun clubhouse room. That I, um, clubhouse is great sometimes. I love clubhouse. I I love clubhouse, but then sometimes I get like sucked into clubhouse, and I'm like, y'all, I need to take a break. So right now, people in clubhouse haven't heard from me in a little while. I have to take a little break from clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll just sit there all day. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, many times, or I'll like hop in there at night. I'm like hanging out, uh, especially when I'm home, and because I can smoke in my room at home, and so I'll just be like hanging out, like smoking a joint, just like doing, like doing some content. It's like eleven or midnight, and I'll be like, yeah, let's hop on Clubhouse. I can multitask. No, I can't. Um, well, I can for like an hour. Yeah, and then eventually I will either hit a task that I don't want to actually focus on and will take the easy out or the conversation will switch into something I actually truly care about and have to think about to answer. Cause of course it's libertarian. So we can't just have like a fun conversation. It eventually will devolve into some sort of like deep theological debate about, you know, whether or not the moon landing was fake or whether or not uh, some organization is getting taken over by communists uh you know the rabbit holes Mm. 
those are part of the reason why I had to step yeah. away for a little bit. Mm. Understandable. Yeah. Um, so uh, one more quick like picture uh, how people can find you. I know your website is scrolling across here, but um, how people can find you on like other platforms and such. And um, yeah. So Which you can find me KelseyLionDesigns.com. Um, you can also find um, Kelsey Lion Design Solutions on Facebook uh, and Kelsey Lion on Instagram. Um, so I have lots of different things going on there. Uh, you can also harass my husband, Mr. Bearded Truth. He will get you in contact. Um, and like I said, the next person to book me from your site gets $50 off. So, which may sound like it's not a lot, but trust me, it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. That's. Well, Kelsey, thank you so so much. This is uh, this is a little bit longer than most of my episodes go, but I kept having questions, uh, so I apologize. But uh, thank you. This was absolutely great. I learned a lot of things. Yay! I'm so glad you learned a lot of things. And if anyone has questions too, you guys can message me or uh, email me or whatever you want to do. You can send a carrier pigeon for all I care. It's fine. Uh, yeah, you could just. Text me all of your questions. I'm happy to answer questions all to people. Actually, send me logos. They're like, "Hey, what do you think?" And I'll like give them advice. And I don't usually charge them for it, hmm. unless it's like, "Hey, go edit my logo." And then I'm like, "Well, I got to charge you for that one." But I try to help people all the time with that kind of stuff. So that's great. Yeah. Um, well, again, thank you, uh, everybody watching. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you don't already. Uh, click the subscribe button. If you're watching this on one of the shitty platforms like YouTube or Facebook, um, there's a link in the description to the odyssey of this uh, version of this video. And you should have been watching it over there this whole time, but I forgive you. Uh, if you weren't, go like it over there, follow us over there, and join Odyssey because Odyssey is awesome and is run by awesome libertarians. And uh, we're probably going to get pulled off of YouTube within the next couple months. So, Odyssey it is. Um, and then we'll be back here tomorrow night. Uh, there's this change up. Uh, so we have Jim Babka coming from uh, People of Liberty in to step in for uh, Lauren Potzler because there was a scheduling conflict. But um, Jim stepped up like in super short notice. So I'm super happy about that. And I didn't have to scramble for a guest. So yay, yay. for them for like covering their I've never I've never had a guest have to reschedule and be like but wait i'll find someone else i was like okay thanks that's awesome <laughs> she reached out to jim and uh sam rob to like see who was available and i was like you didn't have to do that you could have just left me hanging that's what most people do <laughs> like, but thank you i really really appreciate that you guys like care about they already like, have brownie points for tomorrow's right. show i love it Right. Um, and People for Liberty is an awesome organization. So I'm always happy to have people from them on. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for watching. Kelsey, one more time. Thank you so much. This was great. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. All right. And so we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Until then, keep up the fight. Shut up and sit down.